What's up, everyone? I'm Alex Lieberman, co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew. Welcome to season four of Fresh Invest, the podcast where we explore all things investing, sponsored by Fidelity Investments and powered by Morning Brew. In this season, we are exploring strategies and tips to help you invest wisely wherever you are in life. With help from our friends at Fidelity, we'll dive into the investing life cycle in the context of today's market landscape, emerging trends, and long-term wealth building strategies. Let's get into it. Last week, we took a look at generational investing habits covering emerging trends all the way from boomers to Zoomers. Today, we are going to do some talking about how you can use income investing to help protect your finances and encourage growth during downturns. There are tons of ways to get into fixed income investing from putting your money toward age-old classics like bonds to using newer, innovative tools like fractional CDs. To help you get a feel for the income investing landscape, we've added a few guests to today's episode. We're here with Katie Gaddy Tossan, founder of Money with Katie, and Richard Carter, VP of Fixed Income Products and Services in Fidelity's Personal Investing Division. Katie, Richard, thanks for joining the show. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Before we make bonds and fixed income sound sexy, let's do some intros. Uh, Richard, let's start with you. Okay. Well, I'm uh, Vice President of Fixed Income in Fidelity's Personal Investing Division. It involves uh, leading a team that's responsible for the offering of bonds that we have and also the surrounding software, things like the uh, research information, news, analytic reports, things to help investors make an informed decision whether they're using our website or mobile app or working with one of our representatives. Love it. So if there is ever someone to join the show to talk about bonds, you're the guy. <laughs> uh, Katie, how about you? Well, I'm not the guy for, <laughs> for fixed income, <laughs> but I am Money with Katie online, and I really just love having conversations about money and money-adjacent topics and the types of lives that money enables us to lead. So let's talk about fixed income, because I think when you know, the retail investor hears about investing, the thing they always think about is stock market, equities, but obviously fixed income plays a huge part of an investor's portfolio. So talk about how fixed income is playing an even bigger part in today's current financial environment. Richard, let's start with you. Okay, well, like the term suggests, uh, fixed income, things, products like bonds and CDs, pay out a steady flow of income to the investor. And in return, at the end of the, uh, the life of those instruments, they pay the initial investment or the principal back. The rate of return that they pay is, is fixed, generally. That's known as the coupon. And the other way of looking at it is that a bond is like a loan, uh, where you, the investor, are lending money to the borrower. Could be a company, could be a corporation. And in return, they're committing to pay you back over time. Bonds can be bought individually, like a stock or they can be bought uh, inside uh, investment vehicles like stocks too, like a mutual fund or an ETF. You asked me how they're relevant for today's investor, and I think uh, one reason is, is pretty simple, is that right now we're seeing a much better rate of return. That's pretty nice in itself, but it also means that the power that bonds can play as diversifying and as, as a buffer for times when the stock market is weathering some tough conditions is more powerful now that they have a, a higher stream of income than they did just a few years ago. So it sounds like the increase in rate of return is something that's super powerful today. And as you use the example of kind of the coupon and the principal before, if I'm someone who invests in bonds, let's just say I loan you $100 and the rate of return is 
I'm going to get $10, let's call it a year until we reach maturity. And then at the end, I'll get the full $100 back. That's exactly right. Love it. Katie, anything you want to add? Well, I am 28 years old. So when I think of fixed income and my investing life, this is the first time in my investing life where fixed income has really been a viable option because for the last decade or so, we've been in this zero interest rate environment. And so if you wanted yield, if you wanted a return, you had to take on a lot of risk to get it because the yield really wasn't there in fixed income instruments. That's not really the case anymore. But I think whether or not focusing on fixed income instruments or equities for each individual investor, whether or not that makes sense for you, is going to depend on your age, your risk timeline, and, and what you're trying to achieve. Love it. So before we started this season of Fresh Invest, we surveyed Morning Brew readers and we asked them about kind of what are their biggest concerns as it relates to investing and their financial health. And there were two interesting findings. 66% of people who took the survey said that they worry about having enough money for retirement. And then 49% said that they were concerned generally about market volatility. I would love for you both to speak about how fixed income instruments play a role in kind of both of these concerns that our audience has. So Katie, let's start with you. Yeah, I think bonds might generally be less volatile than stocks because their income flow is more certain. That said, if you are in your 20s and you're investing for retirement that's 40 years away, that volatility in the stock market might not actually be all that relevant to you because your timeline, your time horizon in the future is just so far away. And those wild swings can be scary, but ultimately we know that there's no 20-year period wherein the S&P 500 has lost money, but having bonds in your portfolio tend to function as I kind of think of like downside risk protection. What about you, Richard? Yeah, I think uh, Katie pretty much covered it. That, that you know historically, what we've seen is that stocks are more volatile than bonds. And yet, at the same time, the stock market has been a very good place to generate wealth over time, uh, particularly the U.S. stock market. At the same time, you know, bonds can be this great diversifier. You know, you asked about the. Um, the concerns of the morning brew community being both that volatility versus the growing wealth for retirement. And I think it's very hard to have one without the other. And then and indeed, certainly bonds can be volatile too at times. But I think the key difference is this notion of the contractual obligation that bonds have to pay, uh, as we said at the beginning, a um, pay your money back at the end of their life and to pay uh, a certain known rate of flow of income at known periods over that uh, lifespan of the bond. And uh, not only does that uh, provide a steady form of income, but it can also help psychologically, A, as Katie was saying, you know, to encourage people to hold on through tough times in the market and, and not sell out at the bottom. And then from a bonds point of view, it allows you to be less concerned perhaps with the day-to-day -day price swings of the bond. Because at the end of the bond's life, at maturity, you will be paid back the principal value so long as the bond issuer doesn't default. That comes back into the uh, consideration of risk. But if you hold it to maturity and the issuer survives, if you like, and can pay you, uh, you don't have to be so concerned with the day-to-day -day price volatility of the bond itself. Absolutely. So I'm particularly interested about this next question because actually, but pre-Morning Bruce started my career in fixed income trading. Despite that, I know very little about the next fixed income instrument we're about to talk about. So I'm excited for you to educate <laughs> me. Let's talk about deferred fixed annuities, since they are often used to secure guaranteed returns on retirement savings. 
What are deferred fixed annuities? What are their benefits? How should our listener be thinking about them? How should I be thinking about them? Yeah, I'll take a crack at that, Alex. Um, deferred fixed annuities are, are a type of fixed income instrument that offer uh, both a guaranteed rate of return, as you mentioned, and, and uh, the opportunity for tax deferral. So uh, in, in a way, they behave like a bond. A customer would be um, choosing both the term, the length of that instrument, the, the annuity, and uh, the provider, the insurance, it's an insurance company. And so, you know, as, as they assess the insurance company, for example, that's important to look at the financial strength of that company, not just look at the return. And the terms of these annuities generally last from three to 10 years. So that's another choice that people can make. So now back to the idea of deferred income, that gives you one of the opportunity to grow the return of that instrument over, over the period of over the term without being taxed. The caveat there is so long as the investor doesn't withdraw money or start receiving income, then they're subject to tax. Another point of note is that if you withdraw funds from the deferred fixed annuity before the age of 59 and a half, uh, you may be subject to a 10% IRS penalty. Got it. So, okay, we've talked about deferred fixed annuities. Now I want to pivot over to bonds. And let's say we have just a lot of listeners who, like Katie, are millennial investors. And up until the last few years when rates were basically zero and they didn't think that they had to think about bonds at all. And finally, they're taking up more oxygen in kind of the minds of investors like myself or Katie, how should we all be thinking about bonds in the context of just the current financial environment and thinking about them as an instrument? Yeah, I'll take a crack. I mean, it's a big subject, so there's a lot yeah. to cover. I think, I think it just distill it down to two things for me. One is that uh, not all bonds are created equal. And number two is that yield, which is this rate of return, think of it as a good measure of risk. So let's just look at these two things in, in turn. Not all bonds are created equal. So most people may be familiar with the treasury bond or the government bond, right? And, and uh, these are bonds that uh, can be as short as three months or, or even a month and go out to 10 years, 30 years. But there's also bonds issued by other entities, such as, for example, the uh, agency bonds issued by entities like uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac that uh, support the housing market. There's also uh, municipal bonds. Um, and these, these can be issued by states and cities, even issuers like water municipalities or electrical companies. Sports stadiums. Sports stadiums, <laughs> that's, you got it, yeah, hospitals and all kinds of vital or less vital things. And corporate bonds, and not just the big companies we know of from the stock market, even, even private companies can issue bonds. So an investor has a lot to choose from, a lot of different risk in that. And, and even within those categories I mentioned, there's issuers, right? So the, the issuer, one company can be less risky or more risky than another. So there's a lot to research once you get into it, arguably, to think about where are you on the risk spectrum. And so coming that to my second point is to consider yield as a measure of risk, not just as your return. So what I mean by that is that um, if you think about it, the bond market, the wider bond market out there full of professionals and investors all around the world continually is evaluating the market as it presents itself you know, for investing opportunities. If you think about the idea that these investors are continually thinking, would that issuer of this particular bond be capable of paying its contractual obligation, the, the cash flows, the coupon we spoke about, plus the um, principal at maturity? And then imagine, well, what happens if people begin to have doubts about that, the investors have doubts? Some might begin to sell their, their holding, right? So if they sell, what does that tend to do? Well, that tends to drive down price. And in bonds, if price goes down, what happens to yield? It goes up. So 
if you're looking at the bond landscape and you see a bond that's uh, yielding more than its peers for, say, a similar maturity, similar type of issuer, but yet the yield is quite a bit higher, you should ask yourself, well, why is this? Is the market giving you a break? Unlikely. Has the market overlooked something that you found? Possibly, but also maybe be somewhat skeptical and just realize that this idea that if investors are selling something, the yield can rise. When the price goes down, the yield can rise. So consider that as much as being inclined to go for the highest yield you see out there. Again, the, the end of the day for bonds, the proposition is to hold it and to make sure that it doesn't default, right? And if it defaults, then the, the yield as advertised doesn't actually materialize for yourself. Got it. So all things being equal, I should be thinking about the yield of the uh, treasuries bonds and WeWork bonds to uh, have a different level. <laughs> Quite different. <laughs> uh, Katie, any thoughts on bonds? Well, my first thought is that I wish I could have asked Richard all these questions when I started investing because the best way that I had ever heard it explained previously was a lot more high level. But I still think it's worth including, which is that most of us are probably familiar with the process of taking out debt. We're taking out a loan because we need to buy a car or we're buying a home or we're getting an education. And we know that as we pay back that debt to the lender, we have to pay them interest and pay them for the pleasure of borrowing their money. So when I think about bonds, I just flip that and say, okay, well, this is now the opposite. I'm lending the government money or I'm lending a corporation money or a municipality or what have you. And in return, they're paying me interest and I'm getting something for it. So that reframe, though, really helped me make sense of it because I think the fixed income markets are quite a bit more complicated than the stock market. So I think it can take more time to kind of wrap your head around what is functionally happening in that transaction. Yeah, I feel like there's just a lot that feels counterintuitive mm -hmm. and daunting to just like the fresh investor who's looking at bonds for the first time, like even just the fact of price and yield moving Coupon, in an inverted yield, way. yield, price. There's so many different terms that feel... Can best. be super daunting. Okay, I want to talk about another instrument that I probably know as little about as deferred fixed annuities, and that's <laughs> CDs. I think I know more about, you know, the disks that I put into my computer when I was nine than CDs. Uh, so Richard, educate us on CDs. So yeah, the other type of CD is it stands for Certificate of Deposit. It's really just like a bond in that, uh, as Katie was just saying, you're lending money, and this time the borrower is a bank, and the bank will take that money and create a deposit on their balance sheet. Um, now, in return, the bank will pay you a fixed rate of return, generally speaking, and uh, your principal back at the end of the, the life of the CD. And the unique thing about a CD, as distinct from a bond, is that most of them are insured by the FDIC, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. And uh, that insurance is pretty powerful. It, it, it extends to $250,000 per issuer per account registration. And uh, this enables the investor to consider CDs somewhat of a simpler type of bond, if you like, if you remain within that insurance limit. Now, there are basically a couple of ways of buying CDs. One is through a bank directly, or you can buy what's known as a brokered CD. And these are the type of CDs that Fidelity offers that uh, can be um, purchased through investment companies, brokerage companies. The maturities that are available extend from anywhere from a, a month to uh, a couple of years, up to 10 years, generally speaking, from a variety of different banks. And um, the minimum amount that you invest in is typically $1,000. Uh, I would just say last year, Fidelity uh, launched a slight variant on that, which is a, known as a fractional CD, where the minimum investment and incremental investment is $100 which might be useful for a younger investor or um, people who would like to invest a smaller amount over a, a regular interval as an option. 
And the rates that those pay are just as the same rates as they would pay if you bought a larger amount. It's just making them more accessible. Exactly. Got it. So now I want to talk about something that's a little bit more timely, which is just the inflationary environment that we've been in over the last several months. How do you think about fixed income instruments as a potential hedge for inflation? Yes, well, that's a very interesting and challenging question. Uh, as you say, we've all experienced that over the last 12 months. Any type of uh, inflation eats away at the real value of your dollar, right, versus what it's worth right now. In this past year alone, you know, we've seen inflation go from just over 9% last summer, and today it's just over 3%. So, you know, it can be volatile, whereas your fixed income yield is fixed, right? If you buy a bond, it's a, it's a fixed rate of, of coupon and so on, we've just discussed. So, you know, right now, the, the benefit can be that you could earn a real rate of return. As, as uh, Katie was mentioning, you know, some of the pretty safe fixed income instruments yield around 5%, CDs, for example, and yet inflation is just over 3%. Now, that could change because inflation can go up and that would erode that real return. So there's always that unpredictability. One way that you might want to mitigate that is um, considering a strategy like a, a ladder. Um, a ladder basically is a way of spreading your investments in bonds or CDs over time. This allows a maturity to occur at regular intervals. Um, so, for example, we have on our website uh, what are known as model CD ladders. These are CD ladders that are either one year, two year, or five year in maturity. Uh, a one year ladder would basically take the investment that you put in, spread it over four CDs, a three month, six month, a nine month, a 12 month. And so every three months, you have a, a maturity. And that gives you the flexibility as the investor to sort of have your money come back and then decide, well, what should I do with it? Do I want to spend it or do I want to reinvest it? And what do I re want to reinvest it in? So provide some optionality. Some optionality, exactly. Yep. That's, that's worth something, you know. And, uh, and in the meantime, that, that flow we've discussed is made up of bonds or CDs. It's also an instrument that some of your audience may have heard of called uh, TIPS. These are Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. And uh, although, just like the bonds we've discussed, their coupon is fixed, uh, what's interesting about them is that the principal adjusts over time to inflation. So as, as inflation goes up, the principal will adjust as the consumer price index adjusts in the, in the US. Um, so your fixed rate, your coupon, is multiplied then by this higher principal over time. And this means that the coupon payments dollar-wise go up in reflection of that. And at the end of the day, the principal value has increased when the bond matures. So that's another thing to consider. Just one thing to bear in mind with those, that they're typically a longer-term investment. Um, they're long, they invest in bonds that are either 5, 10, 20 years. And sometimes the value of the, that instrument can be affected by uh, broader bond market conditions. So it doesn't change the cash flow that, that uh, they're creating, but the valuation of those bonds could be going up or down, whatever inflation is doing. So that's just something to bear in mind. Super interesting. Last question for you both, and I'm going to be very strict in holding you to one recommendation. So let's <laughs> no. say we have a listener who, like Katie, has gotten more interested in the fixed income market over the last several months, given the rate of return on bonds has overall uh, increased, but they're daunted by the complexity of this asset class. What is one recommendation you each have for them to start getting involved in the space? Richard, we'll start with you. Well, uh, that's a toughie, but I think uh, <laughs> first off, I'd say trying to get educated. I mean, yeah. that's, that's maybe a softball answer, but it's, it's basically saying that uh, it is complex, it is challenging, and there's no free lunch, we've just discussed. So at Fidelity, for example, we offer a lot of education on the different bond types, the product types we've just been discussing. You could also go to our learning center where we have webinars uh, like this or 
we invite monthly guests to come in from outside as well as Fidelity's subject matter experts on different types of the bond market. And finally, I'd say perhaps just get invested yourself. You know, take the time to go through the whole procedure, you know, like uh, research the instrument you're about to invest in. Think about that. Why did you invest in it? Maybe put a little bit of money, uh, you know, either the, the fractional CDs we've mentioned, $100, or even a, a bond mutual fund for as little as a dollar. And then think about keeping an eye on it, watching its reaction as the market changes. And then if you come to liquidate it or, or let it mature, again, see what that experience is like. So I think start slowly, you know, read and learn over time. It's certainly a journey for everybody. Katie, what about you? I would encourage someone who's interested in getting into fixed income investing to start with the end in mind. So really thinking about as an investor, what is your philosophy? What are you trying to get out of your investments? So are you on a 40-year timeline because you want to retire before you're 70? Or maybe you're trying to buy a house in five years, or maybe you're just trying to add some predictability to an otherwise aggressive portfolio for a goal that's maybe 15 or 20 years away. I think depending on the answers to those questions, you'll have an easier time knowing what the next best step should be. So for purely illustrative purposes only, maybe I have $50,000 that I need for a down payment and I I pretty much already have that money, but I need it to be closer to $60,000 in five years from now. But you won't know what instrument or what path makes the most sense until you've really thought about, okay, what is the end goal for this money and where am I really trying to go? Totally. I mean, maybe it's the boring answer, but it sounds like both of what uh, you are saying is that the best way to to learn more about bonds is to learn more about bonds. Like, I love that he goes, <laughs> read. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like read, yes. listen. You should be thinking about this episode as kind of just the tip of the iceberg. And, you know, Richard, you made a good point about oftentimes the best way to educate yourself on the topic is just maybe get a little bit of skin in the game where, you know, is it isn't going to change over your overall financial health, but it creates a little bit of a force function to want to learn more about the asset class. Yeah, I will say historically, I have found uh, as someone who worked in bonds, I have found bond talks to be a snooze fest, but you two, in fact, made it not a snooze fest. So thank you for that. Richard and Katie, thank you so much for joining Fresh Invest. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in to Fresh Invest today. I hope you all feel like you have a stronger understanding of your options when it comes to fixed income investing. And hopefully you feel confident and ready to explore some of these opportunities. Between concerns over market volatility and rising inflation costs, a lot of folks are looking to establish a stable foundation for building wealth via more traditional means. And the opportunities to do that with fixed income are huge. Thanks again for listening and make sure to join us next week to learn how to live off your investments. That's right. We will discuss what to do with all of your earnings, how to adequately plan for retirement and the ins and outs of generating passive income. It's some pretty important information. So be sure to tune in. I'll catch you all next time. This podcast was created on behalf of Fidelity Investments by the Morning Brew Creative Studio and does not reflect the opinions or point of view of the Morning Brew editorial team. Fidelity and Morning Brew are independent entities. Information presented herein is for discussion and illustrative purposes only, and is not a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The views and opinions expressed by the speaker are his or her own as of the date of the recording, and do not necessarily represent the views of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. 
Any such views are subject to change at any time based on market or other conditions. Fidelity disclaims any responsibility to update such views. These views should not be relied on as investment advice and because investment decisions are based on numerous factors, may not be relied on as an indication of trading intent on behalf of any Fidelity product. Neither Fidelity nor the Fidelity speaker can be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss incurred by applying any of the information offered. Please consult your tax or financial advisor for additional information concerning your specific situation. This podcast is intended for U.S. persons only, and it is not a solicitation for any Fidelity product or service. This podcast is provided for your personal, non-commercial use and may contain copyrighted works of FMR LLC, which are protected by law. You may not reproduce this podcast in whole or in part in any form without permission of FMR LLC. Fidelity and the Fidelity Investments and Pyramid Design logos are registered service marks of FMR LLC, copyright 2023 FMR LLC. All rights reserved. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure a profit or guarantee against loss. Annuity guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Withdrawals of taxable amounts from an annuity are subject to ordinary income tax and, if taken before age 59 and a half, may be subject to a 10% IRS penalty. High-yield, non-investment-grade bonds involve greater price volatility and risk of default than investment-grade bonds. For the purposes of FDIC insurance coverage limits, all depository assets of the account holder at the institution issuing the CD will generally be counted towards the aggregate limit, usually $250,000, for each applicable category of account. FDIC insurance does not cover market losses. All the new issue brokered CDs Fidelity offers are FDIC insured. In some cases, CDs may be purchased on the secondary market at a price that reflects a premium to their principal value. This premium is ineligible for FDIC insurance. For details on FDIC insurance limits, visit fdic.gov, http colon slash slash www.fdic.gov. Displayed rates of return, including annual percentage yield, APY, represent stated APY for either individual certificates of deposit, CDs, or multiple CDs within model CD ladders, and were identified from Fidelity inventory as of the time stated. For current inventory, including available CDs, please view the CDs and ladders tab, https colon slash slash fixedincome.fidelity.com slash FTGW slash FI slash FI landing. The fund's yield will include adjustments to the principal value of treasury inflated protected securities tips due to changes in the government's inflation rate. Because of these inflation adjustments, the fund's yield may be more volatile than yields quoted on nominal non-inflation adjusted bond investments. The fund may experience negative yields during periods of deflation and high yields during periods of inflation, which may not be repeated. Any fixed income security sold or redeemed prior to maturity may be subject to a substantial gain or loss. Your ability to sell a CD on the secondary market is subject to market conditions. If your CD has a step rate, the interest rate may be higher or lower than prevailing market rates. The initial rate on a step rate CD is not the yield to maturity. If your CD has a call provision, which many step rate CDs do, the decision to call the CD is at the issuer's sole discretion. Also, if the issuer calls the CD, you may obtain a less favorable interest rate upon reinvestment of your funds. Fidelity makes no judgment as to the credit worthiness of the issuing institution. In general, the bond market is volatile and fixed income securities carry interest rate risks. As interest rates rise, bond prices usually fall and vice versa. This effect is usually more pronounced for longer term securities. Fixed income securities also carry inflation risk, liquidity risk, call risk, and credit and default risks for both issuers and counterparties. Any fixed income security sold or redeemed prior to maturity may be subject to loss. Fidelity Brokered Services, LLC. 
Member NYSE SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917-110580.1.0. Thanks for tuning in to Fresh Invest, sponsored by Fidelity Investments and powered by Morning Brew. Check out fidelity.com slash freshinvest to open a Fidelity account and learn more about the topics we covered in this week's episode. See you next time.